Psalm number one. Thank you. The first one. You're welcome. Um, and uh, we were sitting around a campfire a few weeks ago, and I think it was Ruth that had a suggestion, which is um, during this month, maybe Pastor Kevin can take the whole month. So thank you very much for the idea. <laughs> and um, the beginning of next month, uh, we're going to be celebrating our anniversary as a church. And we're also going to be making some slight changes in the church. And um, uh, my, responsi uh, my responsibility as senior pastor will disappear, but I'm not disappearing. Okay, it's just um, it's just uh, it's just going to be a good time, and it's going to be um, and, and it's been a joy for the last year and a half or two years or however long we've known each other, uh, just to kind of walk and be seeking God for the future. So and God's not finished with me. He's not finished with you. But there's times and seasons where you just want to you just want to move with God. And um, I can't tell you 100% where we're going. And that's okay. Because uh, we're staying. But anyways, um, but basically in the Bible, there's a verse that talks about Abraham and Abraham basically just said, he responded to God, not having a clue <laughs> what was next. And um, so we think we know the future, and we're still very much involved in this church and in any way that we can be a blessing and, and a support. But, um, but again, we're just, we're just like, God, you know, just take us to the, next, uh, to the next level, to the next thing that you want us to do. So and part of this thing, um, and it, it, it's all, I think it's all your fault. Uh, it's not mine. Uh, it, <laughs> right, it never is is uh, this is a little bit uh, nostalgic, I guess, this month. It's like, um, you know, preaching the last messages as a senior pastor, like, like it's a little bit more intense. So we try to seek God each week and just say, God, what do you want to share and stuff like that. But, but I guess what I've been thinking since that evening that we were around the fire is, you know, what would, what would the messages be that I would want to share with people that I love so much and care so much about? And so the message today is simply going to be called truth. Uh, one of the most important things, one of the most, um, yeah, one of the most important things in life is truth. Um, Steve gave a real good thing a couple of weeks ago with the kids talking about telling the truth and how important it is to tell the truth. And my message is a little bit different. It's still the word truth, and, but it's more on how we can receive the truth how we can uh, take what people are saying and writing and doing and so on and so forth and process that in a way that, that we know whether it's something true or something that's not true. And um, I'll give you a story that you can laugh at me about because life is full of laughter and we all make, we all make mistakes. The very first time I ever went to New York City all by myself, I was teaching a class down there for a few days. And so I took the... Um, I took the train down to Grand Central Station, and I got off there, and I went looking for a capsi, uh, a capsi, yeah, whatever those things are. A taxi capsi. <laughs> a taxi, <capsi>. a taxi. <laughs> and uh, no wonder. Um, <clears throat> so I went looking for a taxi, and, um, and um, I'm kind of a country guy. We lived in New Britain for six years, but that never took the country out of me. It's, you know, we're just, we're just kind of like just outside a little bit of Willimantic and stuff like that. So when I'm in a big city, I'm just a country guy. I'm just like, wow, this is kind of cool. I'm just, just kind of looking around kind of a thing. 
So sure enough, within an instant, there was a guy coming up to me and saying, hey, do you want a, cab uh, do you want a taxi? I'll get a taxi for you, no problem at all. And uh, all I have to do is just give the driver uh, $10. And I said, oh, sure, here you go. And guess what happened? I was in New York City. I wasn't in Willimantic. I wasn't in, I wasn't in the country anymore, OK? He disappeared, and no cab came to get me at all. Oh, whoops, OK? So I learned when I went to New York <clears throat> as a way to defend myself, I just kept the head down and just went where I was going. And if I wasn't sure where I was going, I went into, I went into some store or something like that, got in the store as if I was really going to buy anything. But then I'd look outside and I'd look at my instructions. OK, I got to go to such and such a street. And then I'd go back and just put the head down kind of a thing. Because I knew that everybody that was taking advantage of me knew that I was a country guy just by looking at me. Okay, so I was just going to look down, pull the head over my head, whatever. I don't know if any of you have ever had that experience, but I mean, I was 30-something when that happened. I, you know, I, I feel so bad telling you the story, but the story is the truth of the matter is this guy was not around to help me. He was around to rip you off. Exactly, exactly. And what we try to do on Sundays is we try to talk about things that are positive, but the truth is, in this world, God has people that love him and serve him and follow him that will tell you the truth. And there are people in the world that will just make up lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. Now, I also have compassion for this guy. And I should have compassion because that seemed to be how he was making a living. And so, you know, um, all of us are wired a little bit of a different way, but I just happen to have uh, the gift of compassion, which uh, kind of rolls over a whole bunch of times. So, um, <clears throat> but anyways, <clears throat> there are people we can trust, there are people we cannot trust. There are things we can believe in, and there are things we have to be careful not to be taken advantage of in life. And so my, my goal today with the Lord helping me is to talk about truth. And it's because I love each and every one of you. I don't want you to get taken advantage of. So as a dad or as a granddad, if any of my kids was ever going to New York City the very first time, guess what I would do? I would tell him a story, OK? <laughs> and I'd give them some tips as far as, um, as, far as making it around. OK, um, let's take a look at. Chapter one. You there somewhere? No, give me I'm sorry, not quite there yet. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask this morning that you would be with each and every one of us. Please help me, Lord, as I share your word and as I share my experience with you, Lord God, that it would be a blessing to each and every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Psalm number one. All right, I'll tell you what, I'll start reading. And if technology catches up, it catches up. There it is. Hey, you want to read this with me? If you want to stand for a minute just to stretch, you're welcome to. You don't have to. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the seat of sinners, nor <laughs> Go, Tim. Delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatsoever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. We'll just freeze right there, okay? So there's different kinds of people. You're welcome to sit down if you'd like to. Uh, you're welcome to stand up. You're welcome to stretch, whatever. Um, there's a category of person called wicked people. There's a category called sinners. There's a category called scoffers. If you've never heard that word before, it's people that make fun of other people yeah. at their expense. And there seems to be like more of that. I could be wrong, but in our culture, our culture has gotten to be much more uh, scoffers. And um, it's not so much, it's not so much um, tell me something, it's tell me something so I can make fun of you or so I can do a gotcha or, or there's a whole lot of that stuff going around. And so God is kind enough to tell us the truth. And it says, blessed is the person who chooses not to walk, not to engage, not to join with wicked people, not to engage, not to, not to join sinners. Now, all of us are sinners in one sense. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's a sinner category, which means the person loves sinning every single day and has no desire to ever change. That's, that's what it means here or sits in the seat of the, scoff, uh, of the scoff, scoffers. But the person who's blessed is the person who delights in the law of the Lord. In other words, everything that God has written, they delight in that. Now, there's different sizes and shapes that you can take. This is mine right here. And I can do a little bit of exercise if I want to. Okay, it's a little bit, little bit heavy, maybe a pound. <laughs> And uh, some of you have it on your phone. Some of you have the Bible in a, in a small version. Uh, some people have big, heavy Bibles that seem to weigh 10 or 20 pounds. But these are all the words that God has, has spoken. His, the person's delight is in what God has to say. And in what God has to say, he thinks about this during the day, and he thinks about this even at night. He's going to be like a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water that's going to yield its fruit in its season. Isn't it great when the fruit is ready on time for us to take advantage of? And its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. And that's as far as we go in Psalm 1 right now. You and I right now, at this time, whether we like it or don't like it, 20. 2020, 20, whatever we are. Yeah, 2020. Um, <clears throat> we live in a culture of confusion. There's a lot of confusion in the world. We have this thing called an internet. If you really want to get confused, go on the internet and find out what, what person says, what one person says about such and such, and another person says about such and such. You can get confused very, very fast. And so I'm going to be talking a little bit about three different areas that we really, really, really need truth in. And we also need to have some caution as, as we're stepping into some of these areas. Um, as Christians, we want to be careful about what some people call facts. 
F-A-C-T, facts. People use the word fact on so many different things. And unfortunately, a lot of people basically just say this. This is what I believe. This is what I think is right. This is how I, how I look at life. And it's a fact. As opposed to, um, you know, I've got some ideas. Can I run those by you? Maybe you know something better than me. Maybe you know that the number should be the number five instead of the number. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's none of us is perfect. And there's something called humility in the Bible, and it's a good thing where we can say, you know, I've got some ideas here. Can I run them by you? What do you think about this? It's a good thing if we spend time taking a look at what God, God says about things and comparing what we believe and what we think with what God says is, is true. And so one of those areas, again, is the media. The media, 30 years ago, 90% of the media was held by 50 different companies, 5-0 here in the United States. So there are 50 different companies that were competing against each other to try to get people to watch their stuff, whatever their stuff, um, things like that. There are six companies that control 90% of the media in the United States. So whatever those six companies and the people that lead those companies wants to do or wants to tell us is true or, or wants to tell us is important or whatever, 90% of what's in the media is held by those six people, if you will which is a little bit scary. For example, GE owns Comcast, and Comcast owns NBC. So in other words, all three of those companies are really thinking the same way, whether it's 100% true, which it isn't, but, um, or not. Now, last month, some of you might have heard in the news that a whole bunch of bikers, something like 500,000 of them, were going to go uh, out to a beautiful, 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 beautiful place called South Dakota. Uh, we've been there all at one time, right? Yeah. <laughs> South Dakota is just a beautiful, beautiful place if you ever get a chance to go. You can be driving on the highway for hours and hours and hours and see nothing but animals and, and beauty and stuff like that. It's a beautiful place. And so, there was some controversy over having these 500 bikers coming and doing their annual event. And um, it turned out that the governor said, yeah, come on, do, do your event, stuff like that. And so there's a lot of people thinking, oh my goodness, 500,000 bikers. And there's reason to be concerned about that many people gathering at the same time in the same place, right? That's that's what we understand, so I'm not, I'm not arguing um, about whether that was a good idea or a bad idea. You make your own judgment on that. But <clears throat> what's interesting is that economists from uh, some, uh, oh my goodness, from some university, <laughs> San Diego, I just spelled it wrong, um, what they did is they got together and said, how many people got sick because of all of them getting together at the same time? And they came up with a number that said, 260,000 new cases of the virus and $12 billion because these guys got together, these people got together. And then um, <clears throat> researchers at Johns Hopkins University came up with the number 290 cases 
of the virus. So, both of those can be found online. You go online, take a look, and one group will tell you, well, this negatively affected 260,000 people. And the other group will say, this negatively affected 290 cases. So who's right? Okay? And this is supposed to be based on science by both groups. However, the way that science works is you decide what factors are important and which factors are not important as you do your science. And sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're not quite so right. So, how in the world can I figure out what's true and what's not true? So, I'm thinking about this, and I reached out to some friends of mine this week, and I said, how do you process information? When I was a kid growing up, there were only three channels that we could get in our house. And whenever we saw the news at nighttime, it was a guy by the name of Walter Cronkite. And when he was all finished with the news, and all he did was news, when he was all finished, he would say something like, and that's the way it is. And then he'd say the date of the whole thing. And we trusted good old Walter. Walter just gave us nothing but the news. Whether the news was good or not so good, it just it, it was the news. That's kind of kind of the whole deal. And now we have a bazillion, I don't know, uh, <laughs> lots of different places we can go, internet every, every other place to find news, to find information. And then, well, I'll let my friends talk to, uh, talk to you a little bit about this rather than me talk. So, so my question was just like, how do you sort this stuff out? I've got some ideas on how I sort some of this stuff out. How do you, how do, you do it? So I'm just gonna share with you anonymously four of my friends that got back to me. Thank you, friends. Um, the first person said, I can scan headlines on Facebook, but I seldom read the articles. But I get an idea of what people are thinking about. Um, I also see news headlines on my page that pops up whenever I open up my browser. I think it's, I think it's MSN. Uh, headlines will give me a sense of what people are talking about and who is talking about what. But I place little stock on the articles themselves. And this person goes on to say, I listen to a guy by the name of Jim Bohannon on radio. I listen to the guests and I glean some facts and perspectives that I find useful. When something does get my attention, I do some Googling and I, I read articles from different perspectives and try to put the pieces together. Okay? How many of you do some of what my first friend said? Okay? That's how you try to go through this stuff. Okay, friend number two. <clears throat> when we were kids, the news was the news. Period. No matter now, no matter what news program you tune into, you get 10% news and 90% commentary. <laughs> when did opinions become news? I get, my, I get my, my news from BBC World News, which seems to have the least amount of commentary. Lately, I've decided to limit my news intake because it makes me anxious. <laughs> 
How many of you would say, gee, that's me as well? Okay. And I can't see if there's hands being raised <laughs> over there. So sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> third friend. Virtually all media is biased, and you can't rely on it for truth. They are biased because they're selling something. to different readers and advertisements and so on and so forth. They're in business to make money, so they print to some degree what people will read. News outlets have an agenda. So I read widely. For example, CNN, Fox News. Slightly different. Uh, nobody's laughing? Okay, you don't know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, I read the liberal stuff, I read the conservative stuff. I look for the facts that come true uh, through both of those spectrums, and then I make personal judgment calls on what the truth of the situation really is. How many of you, that's, that's how you navigate through. And then person number four, I subscribe to my local newspapers. Um, they are very, very biased, and I have to dig through their constant opinions in order to try to find some facts. Um, one of these, or both of these, are owned by by Gannett. Uh, one of those, one of those top six. Um, at least I get the local news. Sometimes, sometimes I'll turn on TV and take a look at Fox, but not very, very often. Um, I know I can rely on ESPN for news that's probably right from, uh, I'm adding some words to this, for sports, okay? It's pretty hard to get sports wrong. <laughs> Although, okay. So how do we navigate through this stuff? The Bible tells us blessed is the person who spends time thinking about what God has to say. And I think the best way to start the day is to see what God has to say. And whether you're a person who enjoys reading or doesn't enjoy reading, it's a good thing to do. If you have a hard time reading, there are lots of places on the internet and elsewhere where you can have somebody read the Bible to you. And so if you just Google it on, online and just say, you know, Bible reading or something like that, somebody can actually just be reading that to you. So if it's kind of hard or it's kind of difficult for you to, to, to do the reading thing, that's, that's true of at least 25% of us. Uh, statistically, it's, it, it's a hard thing to read. Uh, there might be 25% of people that just love reading all the time and everybody else in between kind of thing. But, but to take God's word and listen to what God has to say or, or listen to a message that's online or something like that, just to kind of get your heart in a place that's kind of a good place because you're hearing from the God of the universe who never lies. Yeah. And then as we, as we go through life and we have to read some things and we have to check some things out and we gotta, we got to check out the newspaper for this or that and so on and so forth, at least we're starting from a perspective of, of where God is at. And a lot of times, certain things will just kind of pop out at you, like, that is not true. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so how, how, can we, uh, how can we find the truth with media? And so I've got a couple of slides just with a couple of ideas. Maybe it's just one slide. Oh yeah, this is the one I already talked about. Okay, on to the next one. Um, again, from scripture, how blessed is the man or the woman 
who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of people that scoffle. Uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so again, some time reading and thinking about the Bible, or, or having somebody just read the Bible to you online. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus, in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, and I am the truth. Never lies. Hallelujah. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so, um, Scripture is a real, real good place to start. And then, for those of you that have, have given your email to Penny, I'll get this out a little bit later in the day, um, these are just some sources that I use, and this is where it gets a little bit scary because you might disagree with me. And as I shared this morning, you might have different opinions, and that's okay. And, and if you want to talk about the different opinions we have, and we can sit down and learn from each other, that's, sure. that's fantastic too, okay? Yes. But again, um, this is my experience so far in life, and my understanding from God's Word, and I'm not a perfect person, but anyways, here's some ideas. Here's some of the things. Here's some of the things that I um, I just want to toss out your way. And again, I'll send it through email later on if uh, if you wish, or if you want to scribble now. There's another slide coming up. So there's a place called Christian Broadcasting Network. A very good place for news. Very good place for what's going on. Um, a balanced approach. Um, but the Catholic Church has a station called EWTN. And there's a guy by the name of Raymond uh, Arroyo. And he's got a program on there called The World Over. And it's a very, very good program. Uh, he'll take maybe three different things that happened that were in the front of news today and, and just talk about them and talk about them from uh, the perspective of a Christian man. Uh, what does God say about this? And, uh, and then for me personally, um, I, used to, I used to watch lots and lots of news, but um, it either got me mad or depressed. So I watch very, very little news. I'll watch local news to find out if it's going to rain or something like that. But uh, a lot of what I do is on YouTube because a lot of times things that are on YouTube are short versions of a long thing that happened or something like that. So Eric Metaxas is a guy that has people that he just um, brings on a show talk about their story and talk about uh, many times these are Christian people. Tony Evans is a fantastic preacher of the Lord, and if you want to just get get some energy for the day, uh, Tony Evans, I strongly recommend. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, who went home to be with the Lord, still has a website, has some real good stuff with him and his associates that are out there. Uh, Mario Morello is a brother from um, uh, from the other side of the, of the United States. Um, and um, he's a person that, that just really has some great stuff. Abdu Murray is a gentleman that has served with Robbie Zacharias for years, and he's got some tremendous stuff out there as well. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Victor Davis Hansen, and he's a guy that I find uh, has a real good hand on what history really is. Uh, there's a lot of people making up all kinds of stories. There's a lot of people with all kinds of stuff, and, and, and he's just kind of a middle-of-the-road guy that just kind of tells you like it is. There's a place called PragerU that can be very valuable. There's a young man by the name of Charlie Kirk that I came across, or he actually just popped up in my phone one day. 
Um, you know how that works with your phone? Like it just, you go to YouTube and it tells you, you know, these are probably things you want to take a look at. He's a young man who's a follower of Jesus, and um, he's a very passionate young man as well. And then there's a place called American Thought Leaders. Again, having um, conversations, usually half an hour, an hour with different people. So those are some of the places that I go. I don't count any of those places as being 100% correct compared to the Bible. But that's some of the places where I get my information. So my heart is concerned because, again, it used to be easier to find out what's true and what's not true. And nowadays, with so many different sources that are out there, it's really hard to figure a lot of that stuff out. Uh, the other thing that I don't have in the slide is this. People that love Jesus, that you can look at as a mentor, somebody who's going to tell you the truth, somebody that maybe has a little bit more experience than you do, and just having a relationship with that person. So once a month, you can get together and maybe have a little bite to eat, and you spend the money for that one, and the next month you get together and have a bite to eat, and they'll insist on buying this time or whatever, or sharing, or something like that. It's good to have other people in our life that we can bounce things off of. Even though I've been pastoring for, I don't know, 40 years, whatever it is, I have other people and other pastors in my life where I run things by them. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the direction God is leading me, and I'm pretty sure this is what the Bible means about this, but can I run this by you? Because I always need a little bit of adjustment and correction. I'm not a perfect person. There's only one perfect person. That's Jesus. And so that's the first thing. Second thing, where can I find truth in science? The word science gets overused again in our culture. Everybody says, we can trust science. Well, who is he? Where does he live? You know, like, this has been proved by science. Oh, Oh, yeah, I'm science, so I'm proving. No, 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 no. No, science is something that human beings do. It's not a person, it's not a place, it's not a thing. It's something that humans do. And science is a desire to better understand what God has created. And did you know that the most scientific discoveries between the years 1500 and 1950 were by people of faith, most of whom were Christians, some other faiths as well? But these were people of faith. The reason that they were able to discover these things is they believed that there was a creator who created all these things. And so when they tried to figure some of this stuff out, they knew that there would be some kind of a logic behind that because there was a creator who created all of that. Now what started to change is when a guy by the name of Darwin came along and said there is no creator, all of this stuff just happened with a bunch of bangs and stuff like that. And some scientists started believing that thing and so the, the method of, their, of doing their science, not the method of saying, okay, there's a creator, so there's got to be logic, changed. And a lot of things have not been discovered because of that, to be very, very honest. Do you remember last week we were talking about uh, a couple of Christian people that were part of the uh, genome project? And again, there, there's, there are Christian people that are scientists today that are doing wonderful things, fantastic things. But here's the scary thing about Darwin. Darwin said... Um, 
things just sort of evolved, and we live in a place of the survival of the fittest. And when people started believing that from their science source, they also began to act that way with other people. And if you go back in time and you go into history and you look at um, you look at the late 1800s and the early 1900s, you find people treating people in worse ways because they believe that Darwin is right. They would say to you, science has proven that it's the survival of the fittest. I am stronger than you. I am color whatever and you're not and therefore you know, I'm going to be the survivor and you're not going to be the survivor. This kind of meanness came out in society. Thank you very much, Mr. Darwin. No, no thank you, Mr. Darwin. Because people said, well, that's what the scientists say. As a matter of fact, a lot of things that doctors were starting to do was not the way that God would want them to do things. And so there were a lot of mistakes, and there were a lot of things, and there's a lot of things that people talk about today that happened. For example, there were doctors who wanted to do some research, and they took advantage of people that had less money to say, hey, would you like to be part of this research? And this is the, the amount of food you're going to get, this is the amount of money that you're going to get. And people said, sure, we'd be happy to do that. And they didn't give these people the, all the information about what was really going to be going on and how that could actually affect and change their lives. Isn't that a horrible thing? It is a horrible thing. Why? Because we have the survival of the fittest. And so we're going to do some experiments with different people and we're going to find out who survives. Isn't that awful? The place where that became more uh, remembered by us is what happened, what happened um, with the Nazis. Because they literally had doctors doing things like that because they bought into something that was not true. And so I don't want to bum you out on a Sunday morning, but that, that is just so true. So let's get another slide up here on science. Oh, well. Yeah, so my definition of science is when we discover something that God has chosen to let us know, that's what science is. New discoveries surprise us, they never surprise him, because he knows everything. That's my definition. And the other thing about scientists is, is humility. And we've, we've done these tests, and this is what we think this is going to do. There we go. Now, unfortunately, here's a lot of what those of you that are younger than me are dealing with. People that write books and people that are saying there's going to be disasters. For example, here's, here's the front page from 1989 that says if we, don't get our, if we don't get our act together by the year 2000, it's going to be too late, this whole planet's going to be a mess. And this was written by scientists. Um, did 2000 come and go? <laughs> and people write books like this. This is the way that the world is going to end. And we have young people reading these books and, and, and having access. Did I do that? Oh, no. That was me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. We'll get the next slide. Okay. 
and here's, here's the sad part of this. This is a whole bunch of young people, and this is happening in England recently. And what they're doing is they're standing in front of the road so that newspapers can't be delivered to people. Because it's a terrible thing to make newspapers. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause everybody on the planet to die. They believe that from what they've been told. And then there's people that are a little bit younger on the next slide. This is also happening in England. And what they do is they climb up on the train. Let's see, what do they call train in, in British? Train? Uh, the tube, yes. The tube is trying to get people to work. And as soon as they climb up there, they have to stop, stop the train. And they can't go anywhere. And so all the people that are on the train that are just trying to get to work, they can't go anywhere. Well, why are they doing this? Because somehow they want the train company not to use energy. Yeah, right. Not to use gasoline or something like that. And so they're just going to stop everything because if they don't do this, see, like they're Batman. If they don't do this, the whole planet's going to fall apart. And they really believe that. Next slide. This is a gentleman that I came across recently. His name is Michael. And he's a person who has been very, very concerned about our planet for 30 years of his life. And um, Time Magazine, a number of years ago, called him the hero of the environment. Now, let me just take a time out for a second. Our, our environment is changing. And I'm concerned about stuff. I'm a fanatic. Whenever I see a wastebasket where somebody's put something in the wastebasket that can be used again. And I take it out of that wastebasket and I put it in the, in the other one where things get recycled. I am really a fanatic, okay? I've got children, I've got grandchildren. I want them to be on a planet that's as good as possible, okay? So there are things that do change. I'm not saying there aren't, okay? I just, just wanted to clear that up for everybody. What he did, though is when he did the research, he found out that what's happening is out of the research, there's a lot of activist people that are taking what they discover and making it scary. And what he found is he's got a 14-year-old daughter, and he found that her friends, when they came over, a lot of them were very, very worried about stuff. And some of the stuff they've been reading and some of the stuff that's, that's come their way has said, hey, you're never going to grow up and have children because the, the planet is just falling apart and that kind of stuff. And he said, he said he was waiting for somebody to write a book that would say, hey, listen, here are the things that are changing and here are the things that we do have to pay attention to. And, and you know, here's what the reality is. And being an activist for all these years, he went back and started looking at all the research, the new research that had come out since the last time he did research, and he found out that things were a little bit different. And what I mean about humility is this. He said, as the facts have come in, many of us have started to question our prior beliefs and change our minds. That's science. When a person looks at something and says, I've got this theory, this is how I think these things work. And so therefore, to make them work better, let's try doing such and such a thing. We do such and such a thing, it doesn't make that person's life better. Whoops, let's go back to the drawing board, right? 
Are you with me on this? So let's be careful about this magical word called science because I don't want you taken advantage of or me taken advantage of because somebody says, oh, after all, science proves this. It's like that guy that shows up and says, give me a $10 bill, I'll get, I'll get your taxi right over to you right away. Okay? So if you're interested, you can check out Michael. I shared that with some of the folks here in church. Some of you were kind enough to say thank you very much. It was, it was, a, it was a good presentation. Um, next, next page. And then we have government. Every single one of us has a responsibility and opportunity to vote. And the idea is we all get one. Does that work? Does that make sense? Now, finding the truth with people that are running for election can sometimes be difficult. Okay? People that are running for office typically have people that will come up with nice slogans for them to say. And if we listen to the slogan, it sounds pretty good. Most of us don't have a whole bunch of time to sit down with that person and say, hey, let's sit down for coffee for an hour. I got some questions. Can you explain what such and such means, or such and such means, or you're going to do such and such, or this is going to happen if I elect you, and so on and so forth. A lot of us just don't have access to that amount of time, or that amount of theory, or that amount of, of working through things. And so, let's see. I think if I did a survey, I could be wrong. Um, at least 50% of us would be um, less than satisfied with people that are in our office. Would that be about right? Okay. And that's because a lot of what happens with election is how we can get your attention, how we can put something out there that looks like, okay, we've already measured this, and 60% of people will like this idea, so we're going to put that up there. Does that, what does that actually mean in terms of what you're going to do and how things are going to be voted and how that's going to have an effect on me? Um, is it going to have an effect on me? So on and so forth. So that's a tough one. And all I want to say this morning is this, that number one, for people that are in office, God has called us to uh, respect them, to pray for them, and to ask God that God would touch their hearts and God would help them do what's right and do what's true and not be taken advantage of by lots of groups of people that want to, want to push them in this direction or that direction and so on. Amen? The second thing is to try to figure out a way. Sometimes you might want to get together with two or three friends because we don't have, have all the time in the world to do some research and to do some asking and to, and to contact some people and find out, okay, when you gave a speech and you said such and such, what does that actually look like? For example, 
Um, we seem to be spending a lot of money that doesn't exist. We want to be honest? Mm -hmm. How many trillion, I don't even know what a trillion is. Uh, how many trillions of dollars are we, the United States, responsible for? Now, again, as a grandfather, that worries me. Because what that means is my grandchildren are going to have to pay for this. My mother used to say, money doesn't grow on trees. And so, um, in terms of government, I just, just want to leave you with something as simple as I possibly can. <clears throat> and that is Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. I don't have it on the slide. Sorry about that. But here's what Psalm 2 says. And this is something that has always been true. Somewhere in the world, someplace, sometime, because there are people that choose to rebel against God. There are people that choose not to accept from God everything that he wants to give to us, but they're going to just go on their own and make up their own mind and do things the way that they want to do things. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says this. Why do the nations rage and the people's people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Who is the Lord's anointed one? Jesus. They say, let's burst their bonds about. I don't even know what that means. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> let's cast away their cords from us. In other words, let's not listen to them. Verse 4 says, God sits in heaven and laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. I had to look that word up. God basically says how foolish they are. And then Psalm chapter 2 goes on to say this, starting in verse 7. It says, The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. As we pray for the people that we have the ability to vote for or vote against. And we seek God, I believe that God will give us his wisdom. Um, I've never preached a prayer on a Sunday morning, nor will I ever preach a prayer on a Sunday morning that says, this is who you have to vote for. Every one of us has to make up our own mind. But I just want to share a few things with you. Number one, as Christians, we need to vote. If we don't vote, we're letting somebody else decide on what the future is going to look like. And I would rather have a person who is trying to draw close to God, or is drawing close to God, I'd much rather have that person voting. So we have a responsibility and an opportunity to vote. We need to try as best as we possibly can, and sometimes this, this will come from talking to people that are mentors, sometimes you can dig up some information, sometimes you might even be able to talk to the person face to face. See, we're part of a kingdom called the kingdom of God. And 
we want to find out if the person who's going to govern is going to be governing the way that the kingdom of God is governed, which means that there's going to be blessings to people, which means that life is going to be richer and fuller, and in some cases, people are going to live rather than pass away. Those things are very, very important. So it's good for us to dig up what people are saying. There are words that are used by people who do this for a living that make us feel good. But if we actually want to take those words and say, what does that actually mean? In some cases, it means, well, it just means we're going to spend more money and your taxes are going to go up. Oh, really? Where, where did it say with that little tiny word? Now, I'm not against taxes, and I'm not against helping people, and I'm not against doing what we can to help those that are in need, by, by all means. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? <clears throat> we need to understand terminology. And we need to say, as a follower of Jesus, I live in a community. I live in a place where other people live. What can I do to bless somebody who's my next door neighbor? What can I do to bless somebody else? Because the Bible says, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And you're done. <laughs> no, no. What does it say after that? Like, as much as I pamper myself, as much as I take care, as much as I worry about myself, I'm supposed to do that as well? Yeah. So let's try that again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And if we'll honor people that are in place of positions of authority, if we will do whatever we can to be a blessing to them, perhaps there's an opportunity to meet with them, perhaps there's somebody you can meet with that's on their staff, and we can share with them some of the concerns that we have, and we can share them from a heart that is a kind heart that basically says, I want you to succeed. I want our town to, to succeed. I want our nation to succeed. If we can be like that with those that are in authority, and if we can also care about people in our community. A few weeks ago, we all had opportunities because people had the lights out for one day or two days or five days or seven days or whatever number of days. And we had the opportunity to talk to some of our neighbors and just say, hey, how you doing? Do you need any help? And there's going to be other times in our life where God is going to allow certain things to happen so that we can communicate better with people that are in our neighborhoods. And then there are some days that are just beautiful days, and God might want us to actually find out, oh, the guy that lives next door to us is Fred. Okay, now i got a name. Okay. But what we need most of all is truth. As we make decisions, I made a decision one day just trying to get a cab, and it was the wrong decision. I got taken advantage of. Fool me once, right? Next time I went to New York, <laughs> different story. Okay. But God help us to seek after truth. Where is the truth? The truth is in God's Word. Ultimately, who's in charge, even though it seems that there's chaos around us, God sees everything. Amen. As we cry out to Him, as we seek Him, as we ask Him for help, He listens. He listens and He responds. Another thing just to kind of remind ourselves, or at least this is my opinion. You can disagree with me if you want to. 
there's a minority of people that are causing a tremendous amount of trouble. There's a lot of people that are hurting about how they've been treated. And there's a difference between the two. And let's remember that by the grace of God, those that are in authority can do what needs to be done with those that are causing chaos. But all of us want to respond to people who are hurting because of things that have happened in their life that they've experienced from people who have not been following God and show compassion and ask God for healing of individuals. Our nation can be healed by God, but it has to happen one person at a time. And you and I can be a person who helps somebody else discover some things that are real and wonderful in the person of Jesus. And they can have their wounds healed, both physically and spiritually. So that's all I have to say today. I hope at least some of it was a blessing for you. I know I was sticking out my neck on some of my opinions, and if they're different than yours, I still love you, and I hope you still love me. <laughs> and if I need some correction, like getting the numbers adjusted and other things adjusted, hey, let's get together. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's learn from each other. But most of all, most of all, most of all, God has spoken. Yes. And God has said things that are true forever. Mm -hmm. Now let's take his word mm -hmm. and hold yes. it as close to us as we possibly can. Yes. That'll help us yes. know what is true. Mm -hmm. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for them coming today, desiring to worship you, desiring to hear something that we can take as part of our lives and something that would be useful, God. I don't want to just say things. I don't want to just use words. I, I just want so much, Lord God, for you to equip us in a way that, that life can be better, life can be fuller, life can be richer, and we can know more and more and more why you're doing what you're doing in our lives and through our lives. Thank you, Lord, that every single person here today has a calling from you. There's a purpose for each and every one. There are some people in this room that are called to be evangelists. They have a good way of expressing the gospel of Jesus Christ and explaining it to people so that people can cry out to you. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I ask, Father, that they would understand and see and know that that's a gift from you, Lord God. There's people in this room, Lord God, that have a gift from you of compassion. And they have tremendous amount of compassion. They know how to sit down with somebody who's been through a difficult time and spend the time with them that listens enough so that they know that they're loved and also speaks kindly into their lives to show them about that there is a future. They don't have to, they don't have to be afraid. The walls are not caving in. God, you do love us. You do care for us. Lord, thanks for all the different gifts all the different gifts that you give to each and every one of your, your children. Thank you, Lord, that there are days that you have created already for us to be a blessing to, to another human being on this planet, to, to another person, Lord God, just like us, made in your image, made to live life that's abundant. 
Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray for blessing upon them. I pray, Father, that hearts would be open and their hearts would be open to understand a little bit better of what you've called them for, what you've called them to, and that they could just be released into a world that's, that's hurting, suffering in so many different ways, that each and every one of us can be a blessing, God. And God, as we cry out to you in prayer, we don't want to do it in a purely selfish manner that says, God, please make my life easier. But I pray that you would help us to cry out in your prayer that, that would just say, God, you've got a purpose. Please, please bring these purposes. Please bring these things to account in our time, in our, in our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I'm sorry I went a little bit over time. I love you. And uh, I do want you to know it's true. May the Lord help you, help you know that. Amen. Amen.